Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Markets, speculation, and risk. This is the Chat with Traders podcast, hosted by Aaron Fifield. Okay, what's good, team? Welcome to yet another episode of Chat with Traders. What you're about to hear is a conversation I had with a short-term futures trader. His name is Ben. Uh, last name we won't mention, only for privacy reasons, but he goes by at BLB underscore capital on Twitter. Before being consumed by the market, Ben previously ran a construction company until an injury put him out of action for a period of time, which is when a friend got him interested in trading. Developing his craft over recent years, the bulk of Ben's trading now revolves around order flow, and he's most active in crude oil, gold, and ES. Over the next 50 minutes or so, we discuss what Ben learned and emulated from a large bond trader who he was trained by insight to his core trading strategies, how he utilizes automation, why traders should be aware of right-to-left syndrome, and much more as well. Now, Ben, being concerned with the amount of nonsense which is online, told me he had only agreed to do an interview if I mentioned that I've personally seen statements from his broker, so there you have it. And after this episode, if you have any trading questions for Ben or if you would like him to expand on anything mentioned during this episode, just go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash 93 and write in the comments area at the bottom of the page. Uh, ben will do his best to help you out with a response. All right, guys, I'm your host, Aaron Firefield. Thank you very much for listening. Here is my interview with Ben. Ben, man, welcome to the podcast. It's, it's really good to have you on. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I'm honored. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about it for a while, so it's good to finally uh, finally be doing this. But so, you know, I know you've listened to a few episodes of the podcast by now. You're probably well aware that the first question I usually hit guests with is how did you get into trading? So, I mean, tell us a little bit about how you got into trading and what was life like prior to trading? What were you doing at the time? Sure. Um, my background is basically I, I've always had my own kind of companies. Right out of high school, I started a cleaning company. Uh, commercial business, um, cleaning, you know, office buildings and stuff like that. Then I got into construction and I moved along with that. I started my own company. And then basically, uh, 2012, I had a pretty serious injury where I couldn't work anymore. 
and I uh, had to find something else to do until I uh, got better. Um, so basically, a friend of mine was trading stocks at the time. He said, come check this out. I had some money saved. So I dabbled in that for a little bit. And um, that's basically where I jumped into it from there. Okay, cool. So, I mean, what was it that your friend told you about trading that kind of piqued your interest? Well, he just kind of was like, he came and went as he pleased. I've always, I always seen him doing things. He was always out on the boat when I was working. You know, he just had all the freedom in the world. And it just, you know, what, what, what's better than that? Okay, so I take it he was obviously doing all right then. Yeah, he does all right. I mean, he wasn't uh, rich per se, but I mean, he he was he did all right. You know, he probably made you know between two hundred and three hundred thousand a year. Okay, okay, I'd consider that doing all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, how long had he been trading for at, at this time? Like you said, he obviously had a lot of freedom and that sort of thing. Like, I think that's what a lot of people kind of picture trading as uh, before they get into it. I mean. How long had he been trading for and did you have any kind of perceptions or beliefs about trading um, before you got started that soon got adjusted? <laughs> well, I mean, he was trading right out of school because that's what he majored in economics and uh, he was working for Smith Barney and then he kind of did his own thing at home. So he did a lot of options and stocks. Uh as far as like perceptions, you know, it's just like everyone else. I'm, you know, I'm no different. I didn't know anything about trading when I started. So it was just like, oh, I'm going to make all this money, you know, and I thought I would just jump right on the path that he did or, you know, like everybody else does. I didn't see the old dark side of the thing until I was, you know, well into it. So. Okay. So, I mean, you know, obviously your friend kind of piqued your interest in trading. What was like the next step from there? How'd you get into it? Where did you start learning from? Tell us a little more about that. Well, I started doing uh, just regular long and short plays with the stocks. And I did okay. I made some money. I lost some money. And I kind of, my account just kind of sat there. And, you know, I started spending away at my savings because I wasn't really working. So I started doing some research on futures and... You know, because you need a little less money to be involved because with the stocks, I mean, you, you need some serious money to make serious money, and you know, especially when you first start out. Um, so I, I started doing research on futures and, I, you know, I joined a couple trade rooms and some education sites like we all do. I mean, we've all been there. I can't say that I haven't went down that path. <laughs> And uh, basically, just I just jumped into it. I, I started trading. I started losing money left and right when I first started. And then uh, I kind of caught on to it and disciplined myself really hard. And I spent probably hundreds of hours a week just going over the charts and focusing on things that I thought were the right things to look at, you know, what moves the market. Okay. So did you have any intentions at this stage to go back to work or were you now just focusing your efforts 100% on trading um, following that injury or, or was it that injury that prevented you from actually going back to your construction gig? Well, I kind of was on like a, you know, like a waiting list where, where it was like, you can go back when you're cleared from the doctor. Um, so that didn't happen for about six months. And by the time it did, I was already almost making about as much as I was making at my construction job. So I was like, 
you know, outweighing the risks. And I said, I want to do this. This is nice. I get, I come and go as I want. I can hang out with my kids. I can pick them up from school. And I'm just around a lot more because I worked 10, 12 hours a day doing construction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, you always had that there, so you could go back to it if you needed to, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good to have a skill because, you know, like I said, if I need something done around the house, I do it myself. No matter how much money in the world you have, it's still nice to, you know, build your own stuff and kind of call it your own. Yeah. 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 So I just want to go back to something you said a little earlier about how you need more money to trade stocks than you do to trade futures. Would you mind just sort of expanding on on why you say that? Well, I mean, from my perspective of it is, you know, if you wanted to buy thousand shares of, you know, Amazon or Apple or one of those big stocks, you know, you need tons and tons of money. You need a couple hundred thousand. And it's just, it's the guy that I was uh, learning from and kind of clinching onto was trading, you know, probably a million dollar account. And I had about 20,000 in my savings and I just couldn't do anything near what he was doing. I mean, I could make a hundred, two hundred dollars a day and just wasn't cutting it. Okay. And so with futures, you need less capital because of what the leverage that's available to you? Well, it's just the leverage that's available and the contract size. And you, you know, you can, you know, like with crude oil, you can swing one contract for a thousand dollars. I mean, I don't recommend it, but you know, a $20,000 account, you can, you could make a decent living with that mm-hmm. if you know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Keyword there being if you know what you're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's interesting. Um, so, I mean, what were some of the biggest challenges that you had to push through when starting out? I mean, no one comes into this and it's smooth sailing all the way. What were some of the challenges that you had to overcome? Well, I basically had to learn the basics because I didn't have any kind of education. I have no kind of background on fundamentals, news, anything like that. Um, I'm a very visual person. So like the charts kind of appealed to me because I saw things that I felt that helped me patterns, uh, you know, rotation, stuff like that, that I look at now. Um, just the fear of losing, I guess you have to overcome is the biggest part. I think the fact that you're going to lose a good percentage of the day you know, is, is pretty scary to most people. And it scared me at first too. And then I realized like, that's just part of the job. You just have to give it up. It's like tuition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how did you, how did you get used to the idea that, you know, when you come into trading, you are going to be losing a hell of a lot of the time? I think the only way to get like used to it is by, by doing it and knowing that you can still win more than you lose. See, when you come in and you just wipe out your account, like a lot of people do, it scares the shit out of them. So they can, they tend to make the same mistakes over and over. I got kind of lucky, whereas I lost a bunch of money and then I made it back and then I kind of jumped on the right path from there and I didn't look back from there. Yeah, okay. So I want to spend a little bit of time and talk about the education that you went through. You know, you kind of um, half joking, you said, you know, we've all been there, we've all gone through it. Tell us a little bit about the education that you went with and, you know, how you felt about that afterwards. I know sort of you've got a different perception of it, having come out the other side now. What can you share for listeners about the subject of trade and education? 
Well, when I first started, I saw everything you you Google, you look up. It's ninety percent win rates, um, guaranteed money. You know, make this much. It's just advertisement, and most of us are just dumb to it when we first start. You know, that's just just the way it is. If you, unless you knew beforehand, or somebody tells you, you just you, it looks like a big you know ready to go thing so it's like all right let me let me buy this guy's education let me buy this guy's indicator because it just looks great but the fact is 99% of it is just garbage because if if they're trading and making the kind of money they can make that they say they're making they're not going to be selling you anything they're not even going to be wasting time talking to you so the first thing I did was I signed up for this place. Uh, I won't mention the name, but it's uh, like a, a school of trade kind of thing. And I learned the basics from the guy. I mean, he wasn't stupid, but he was just a hustler. And, you know, he, he falsified his entries and spreadsheets. And I mean, it was just a big scam from the get go. So how did you find out that he was not being completely honest with the spreadsheets and these different things you just mentioned? Like, how did you come to realize that? Well, just after you after you trade for a while, you kind of know how the market moves and how it works, how platforms work, and and um, people that work there kind of ratted him out. Um, <laughs> you know, it just kind of fell. But it, I mean, it's it just keeps rolling. No matter what what I say, what anyone else says, people still buy it. It just blows my mind. I mean, this is the thing though. Like when you come into trading and you do know nothing, you have to learn something before you can even sort of, you know, it's smart to learn something. Regardless of what it is, it's probably going to help in some way. Uh, Not to say you should just run out and buy the first thing you see. No, but But I mean, there's there's starter books. Uh, CME has great amount of information on their site. Um, you just don't want to jump into anyone that's going to put you into a immediate bias right off the bat and, and kind of train your brain to trade the wrong way right off the bat because it's hard to go back from that. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have any other advice for how, you know, anyone who's listening to this podcast right now might be able to filter out some of the, the good education from the bad education? You just got to do your research. I mean, you can't trust anyone, to be honest with you. It's, it's very... I can't say that there's no good people out there willing to help. I mean, there's tons of people on Twitter giving away free information. Um, you know, and I, I do think their time is valuable, but there's a very thin line between charging for it and, you know, giving it away for free. So, so I mean, like, you just have to do your research and you can't just believe everything you see and think that it's a bunch of rainbows and you're just going to, score at the end of it it's just not going to happen yeah no no you're totally right and i mean something you said uh, a little bit uh, earlier is that you know if someone is trading and they're genuinely making money they're not going to be selling any information like i'm a little bit torn on how i feel about that um like like do you really believe that's that's the case for for everyone i do personally because i look at it like you know unless you're Unless you write a book and you have some kind of uh, you know backing behind it, and you sell the book, you know you've earned that right. 
you put in your time, you've made your money, you put out a book. But to sit there and charge people um, for these trade rooms and, you know, these levels that mean nothing, it, it, it's just a very bad, it's a gray area. You know, I just, I don't, I don't like it. And I, I have a hard time with it, but I kind of, I got past all that after, you know, I started trading. Yeah. I mean, I think we could we could spend quite a bit of time on this and it could sort of go both ways. But, um, you know, I kind of think there's there are pros and cons for, for each. And, you know, you've obviously got to be very selective on, on who you run with. Uh, but but let's keep moving. So I know... Well, I mean, I'll, I'll lay it out like this. If the guy is legit, he could show you he's legit. And that's it. It's either you make money or you don't. There's no... Uh, Microsoft Excel spreadsheets, um, you have a, a statement, a broker statement, an audit, and that's it. If you can't show that for some reason, then you're hiding something. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that's it. I mean, that's, that's, that's basically it. You know, if you, could, if, you, if you ask somebody for that and they can't provide that, then you have to question it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like we've talked about, you know, you sort of move past this. And from there, I believe you kind of linked up with a guy who was a big lot futures trader. How did you come to meet this guy? I know he had quite an impact on your own trading. Well, I built the house for this, uh, this guy and his brother was a big, uh, bond trader in the city. And, um, I told him what I was doing and we, we became friends at family parties and said, do you want me to set up a meeting? You can go in and meet my brother and spend the day and see what he does. And I was like, you know, jumped all over it. Absolutely. So I went in and um, the desk next to him was this uh, this guy. And he introduced me and he's a big lot ES trader. And I ended up going into the city for about eight weeks every day, um, morning till night. And... He laid out everything that I needed to know, basically to get on the right path of trading. You know, basically I told him he wanted to see what I did know. And he said, go in the toilet, flush it all down the toilet because it's all bullshit. You know nothing. And this is where we're going to start. And this is where you're going to end up. <laughs> okay. So where did you start? Uh, it, it basically comes down to, you know, order flow. It's, it's all markets. You know, that's how the market moves is orders coming in, orders going out. Right. Okay. Well, we'll definitely dig into that a lot more very soon. I mean, why did he agree to, to let you sit with him for eight weeks? I mean, a lot of traders are very personal by nature. I mean, why did he agree to let you sit in and, and watch him trade? And why was he prepared to put in the energy to, to help you? Was it just because you were uh, connected through family friends or was there something more? Did he see something in you? I mean, that was one of the reasons. And he kind of tested me for about three, four days. And then he kind of decided, you know, I like this kid. Um, we're about the same age, so he can't really call me a kid. But um, he uh, he just enjoyed my company and he thought I had a lot to offer. And, you know, he still calls me and wants to know if I want to come in and work for him. <laughs> but I mean, he... he he saw that I, I was very motivated and that I was definitely going to learn this no matter what it took. 
Okay, and I remember when we were speaking uh, before this, I think he mentioned to me that he didn't even use charts. Um, what was he trading off? What was his like sort of style of trading? Uh, those guys, they trade basically just off a dome. They have uh, they have charts in the background, but it's I've barely seen them look at them. Um, it's all order flow going in, order flow going out. Um, refreshing bids, refreshing order offers, and it's it's very short term. It's scalp city. I mean, thousands of trades a day, just in and out constantly. Contracts, contracts, in and out. And what do you think it was about this trader in particular that um, the the reason for why he was so successful at what he did? I mean, was there anything about him that really um, kind of stood out to you? Well, the the main thing that stood out for me is like I would sit there and, and watch him and. Other people in the office would be yelling and screaming and breaking shit and cursing. And this guy was just calm, cool, collective the whole time. Never smiled, never got mad. And I I thought there was something to that because you kind of have to keep a steel face when you're trading. You know, you, you can't get all excited when you win and you can't get all bent out of shape when you lose. So was that something that you tried to adapt for yourself, obviously saying that that was kind of one of the standout traits of this guy? Well, it's hard to adapt like uh, to someone else's psychology, but I had somewhat of that personality to begin with where I don't let things get too emotionally attached to me, so it kind of helped. But I think that's what made him a really good trader, you know, because he would lose 25000 and he wouldn't even, you know, you wouldn't even know it. It was just like another, you know, like part of a shift. Just another day at the job. That's it. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your trading today. Let's let's dig into your strategy. If you could just give us an overview on how you trade, how you come to the markets today. So what I do today is basically I use uh, a couple different charts that plot uh, all the order flow, basically passive and aggressive uh market orders filled and resting orders and I use two different accounts to kind of hedge against each other so I get in a position uh, let's say long based on a pullback with uh, the rise of resting orders and I'll counter sell each individual rotation on the way up based on passive orders reloading on the way up so it's, it's a little complicated to explain, but I'm always in a position. So my, my core long position is going to hold until my core short position reloads and then I start buying back again. Okay, okay. Would you mind, <laughs> would you mind just sort of simplifying that for us just so we can really sort of get our head around what's going on there? So you're always in a position, your trades are hedged against each other. Just like break that down a little more. If you can. Right. So like, uh, for example, I buy crude oil at 50, um, let's say for 10 contracts and I get five ticks out of it. I'll take eight off and I'll have two contracts left running. And let's say 50, 10, I see some fades in the offer on a rotation, which is uh, my rotational levels I use. Um, I'll short it with eight contracts and if I get the scalp on five ticks of that I'll take you know six off and what will happen is it'll either fail out and I'll lose my two contracts or that short will turn into my next core position 
and I'll be short the two contracts. So it's kind of like uh, inside and out, kind of back and forth. Because uh, I don't believe in waiting for the market to come to you. I just believe in jumping in and, and taking advantage of every swing rotation. So when you talk about rotations and rotational levels, what does that exactly refer to? Just pullbacks, uh, swing high, swing low. Okay, and how do you measure what's a swing high and what's a swing low? Is it just a visual thing or do you have kind of a set of rules, an indicator or something like that? Well, I just use a retracement tool and it's basically like the first group off of a, a swing low. The first grouping of a pullback would be the first rotation and then I pull from that rotation up and then each individual rotation based on 25% rotations will get me to my next level. So if you had to lay it out on like, say, uh, you know, 50 to 51, it would be 50 and a quarter, 50 and a half, 50, 75. Okay. Are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the U.S. markets? Is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. So what's your idea for always being in a trade? Like, why do you prefer to trade that way? I, I just don't like to miss anything. I, I believe there's so much opportunity and I like to just get the day done with. And, you know, the market moves, you know, the, the other day somebody told me, you know, how'd you make any money? Crude only moved 50 ticks. And I said, well, you need to relook at that because crude went up and down probably 75 times. And in that 75 times, it did, thir- you know, 10, 15, 20 tick rotation. So it actually moved over a thousand ticks if you think about it. Yeah. So, so how many trades would you do in any given day? Just on average, rough numbers. Based on trades, you know, without mentioning contract size would probably be 25 to 50. And how did you arrive at this strategy? Like how did you, how did you come to discover this? Well, this is something from what I learned from my, uh, my ES guy, um, and I just couldn't, I couldn't really get what he was doing, uh, right off the bat. So I kind of, you know, I believe everyone has to kind of make trading their own. So I I couldn't really just copy his black and white. I had to take what I learned from him and kind of make it something that worked for me. And rotations is something I've been looking at since day one when I started, because it's just something I noticed. Um, so I, I use that. And then kind of I use his entry methods on getting in and out. Okay. So, so how do you define your, um, your kind of your exit methods? Like what, what incentivizes you to get out? Well, if I'm, if I'm core long, which is, you know, like I have uh, a runner that's long and the offer fades and I'm scalping my short position, 
and my scalp goes below the second rotation, which is like two standard deviations from where I'm short, that gets me out of my long position. So now I'm core short. So the only thing that could happen is it goes against me and I squash the trade and then I go core long again. So it's, it's always like washing one for the other. Right. Would you mind just repeating that part about standard deviations? I mean, I think that's, that's quite interesting and I'm interested to hear how people actually use that uh, in their trading. Yeah, so the, so the rotation, if, if you have a little block rotation, say, say 50 to 50-10 is a tentic rotation. So if we, if we short off a of 50-10 and we rotate back into 40-90, that's two standard ro- uh, rotations down from that 10. So it's 10 ticks and then another 10 ticks. So you're down, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that the first rotation is 10 ticks. This is what I'm basing this on. So your second deviation goes into 40-90. So once we pass that 40-90, my original entry on my core long position is stopped out. And now I'm in a core short position. So what I'm going to do is start buying the rotations on the way down, 40-80, 40-70, 40-60. This is just an example, not, you know. Yeah. So if I understand this correctly, your rotations are something that you can visualize on a chart, Um based off the actual price bars. I understand you also use, um, and you've kind of mentioned it already, um, market profile or volume profile quite a lot as well. How do you kind of uh, pair those together? Well, the, the profile I use kind of, um, if, if you look at my Twitter stuff, I, I post a lot of uh, profile builds, which is, um, it's almost like the same as a rotation because the market kind of consolidates and this is where, you get the actual move from is the market consolidates and then it either goes one way or the other you know uh, the trick to this is is to identify where people are trapped and you want to buy the pullback in the opposite direction okay so as you described there you want to identify when people are trapped how do you actually identify that? Like, how do you see that? I mean, this is something that's come up a couple of times on the podcast and I don't think I've actually asked specifically kind of like how you would identify when people are wrong. I guess it's kind of easy to see if there's a, a very well-known chart pattern that fails and kind of reverses. Um, that's quite easy to see. Uh, but, you know, on an intraday sort of basis, very short term, looking at things such as market profile, how do you identify when? Well, so, so basically like... Um if if you have consolidation and you get all these uh, you know retailers, people at home, me, you, whoever, they think it's going to bust out to the top side. So what will happen is you'll get a strong buy order come in on low volume and then you'll get either a follow through with the offer or you'll get a pullback of the offer and they'll refresh the bids. And that second push up, if they don't buy back into the offer – those longs, 90% of the time, are trapped, and you could sell it all day long. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to continue short, but it's it's a short for me because it's a short-term short. And this is all based on um, you know the charts I've built and the order flow stuff. You know, you'll you'll see the uh, the buyers right at the top. You know, they'll buy right at the top, and if there's nothing offered, there's nobody to sell it to them. And as soon as they stop out, you get the refresh of the bids and the market collapses back onto itself and shorts pile in and that creates a little free fall back down until they rebuy it or keep selling it. So you kind of hinted at it there. 
um, that you use uh, some tools. Can you tell us a little bit about the tools that you've developed and, and how they actually help you with your trading? I mainly use uh, Sierra Chart, which I think is a great charting package uh, for anybody. It's has everything included. There's no third-party vendor stuff uh, to deal with. And I just built uh, a little thing for myself. It, it just shows me market orders, which are you know orders that are filled, and then resting orders, which are orders waiting to be filled. And then the basic order flow, which is the uh, you know number bars. It shows you exactly uh, who bought and who sold and how much. And then you see the actual imbalance of that price. It's like a, almost like a horizontal delta. Do these tools automate any, uh, your, your process or your trading in any way? Do you use automation for, for any part of what you do? Yes, yeah, so I have another uh, two accounts that I use for uh, automation. And it's basically based on the same process. It's just very fast in and out and it's uh it's a constant in and out trade so it's it's very similar to how i trade but it's it's a lot faster so it's constantly in and out i mean it's it's at best it's probably 30 percent correct but it's it's almost a three to one risk reward so pretty much everything we've discussed this far is referring to your i guess you could call it your discretionary trading and then you have uh two automated strategies that you trade in separate accounts. Is that correct? Right. Okay. So those, uh, those automated strategies, how, how did you go about sort of implementing them? Uh, a lot of hours, a lot of man hours. Cause it's, it's very hard to get what you think you want the market to do on the chart. I mean, unless it's completely, completely black and white, it's almost impossible because there's always some little thing you're going to change up during your discretionary trading that the computer's just not going to do because it's not programmed in there. So basically, I, I just set a set of rules and when it does this, it buys. When it does this, it sells. And that's it. I can't, you know, I don't know how much detail you want on it, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, you, you mentioned that these uh, these automated strategies are traded in completely separate accounts. I mean, that might be the reasons for that might be quite reasonable uh, and obvious to you. Uh, but what's your what's your idea behind having those totally separate from your your day to day um, discretionary trading? Well, because if you have one account, you're a little limited. Um, so. It, it, if you have a, an automated strategy and it, you just have one account and it, it goes long, but then you get a short signal, you kind of you're jammed up. You can't go short. You can't do anything until you're out of that long position. So this kind of trades both ways. It goes long and short the same way as my discretionary trading kind of against each other. And it just it takes that little bit of profit in between. You know, sometimes they cancel each other out, but most of the times you know, you have that three to one risk reward. So the long is up three to one and then it will find a short, a short, you know, say, it, say it holds along for like 10 minutes and it fails on 10 shorts in a row. I'm still kind of hedged in a little way. You know, just like myself having a little bit of programming knowledge and sort of heading down this path from what you've described sounds quite difficult to actually program, um, well, coming from me anyway. Did you have the help of a programmer putting this together? 
Yeah, I had a, a good friend of mine. He's a programmer, and um, he helped me with this. He's not a trader, so it made it a little difficult because, you know, if you don't tell him how to spell your name correct, he'll put it wrong on the uh, chart. <laughs> it, it was a little long, difficult path, but um, he got the hang of it, and I wasn't an easy customer because I was very picky in what I wanted, and he kept telling me he couldn't do it, and I kept telling him he could, and... <laughs> And finally, uh, we got it to work, and I started learning. I actually paid someone to start teaching me some of the Excel spreadsheet stuff that Sierra does, and so I've been learning that myself, and I've been making a bunch of stuff uh, for myself as well. Uh, that's very cool. So what were some of the things that you were trying to do uh, but he was saying couldn't be done? Because, I mean, this I think that's quite a that's a really good point that you bring up because it's very easy to see something, uh, for, for example, it's very easy to see on a chart where there's horizontal uh, support or resistance, but to actually program that is, is a whole nother story. It can be quite difficult and somewhat open to interpretation. So what were some of the, the things that uh, you guys kind of had challenges where you were saying, I need to do this, but he was saying that can't be done? Or Well, it's not so much it couldn't be done. It, I guess to say like he didn't know how to do it because it's it's all new. Like he was used to making, you know, MACDs and stochastics for people and, and glorified Bollinger Bands and stuff like that. But, you know, when you come in and, and you, you want bid and ask and live uh, feed stuff based on, you know, refreshing bids and offers, it's it's a little overwhelming to someone that's never heard of that. So I kind of had to walk it through them and relearn it myself as I was kind of showing it to them. But, you know, you always want to say, like, I wanted to do this when this happens and this when this happens. But it's 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 almost like showing yourself in hindsight because there's always a little tick to it on how it's built. Because you have time in the issue, you have speed in the issue, you know, when it's going to get filled, on what part of the bar, if it even gets filled, limit order, market orders. There's a lot involved. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of variables. How were you? How did you test the, these automated strategies, like you, you said that these are kind of an extension of your discretionary trading already. Uh, these are just a, a bit faster and obviously automated. Did you go through the whole kind of testing, optimizing sort of phase or did you almost skip past that because you'd been trading this way for however long? Well, I knew that it would work if I got it to program right. It was just a matter of doing it. And the problem with this is because it's it's live data, and you can't really optimize historical bid and ask data correctly, you know, like precisely. Um, anything I did had to be run in real time to test, you know. So I, I tested it for probably six months. We made a bunch of changes, and, um, you know, finally we just got it to get going. Right. And does this now run through Sierra charts? I mean, I'm not familiar with that package, but um, is, is that something you can do through Sierra charts? Yeah. Sierra, I mean, Sierra is amazing on what you can do with it as far as anything automated, um, spreadsheets. Uh, it's, it's one of the best I've used and I've used pretty much all of them. Okay. Okay. So, Talk to us about how you adjust your trading, how you how you make improvements to it. Like, do you have any type of review process? I don't get into that. I uh, I don't go over my trades at the end of the day that much. 
I'll go back and look at things on the chart as far as order flow um, and like certain anomalies that I see that interest me. Uh, I, I'm not one to go back and write everything down and check everything. I do constantly like to learn, you know, so even if I have an edge and I'm doing good, I, I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm not at the end of my rope. Like I still need to learn things, obviously. But as far as a routine, no, I, I just like to close my screens and go enjoy my day. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is that something you did do earlier before you became, uh, you know, consistent like you, like you are nowadays? Well, the, the problem with, with, with what I was finding when you sit there and you go back and you look at things, and I call this the uh, you know right-to-left syndrome, is a lot of newer traders, and myself included, when you first start trading, um, you tend to go back in the chart and you visualize all these things that look great, you know, whether it's patterns, bounces off of this level, bounces off of that level. But your mind kind of plays tricks on you, and you don't really see the stuff that doesn't work. So, like uh, head and shoulder stuff. You can go back every day and find a nice head and shoulders, but your brain just doesn't show you the ones that don't work. I don't know what it is, but I've seen everybody go through it. And I get people today that'll DM me, and they'll be like, "Well, look at this. This does this, and this does this." And then the next week, they'll be looking at something else, and then something else, and it's they're kind of just trying to trade in the future based off what's in the past, which which does work, but the market pretty much does the same thing every day. It's just never going to do it in that same time and location. Yeah, no, 100%. That's a really good answer. I mean, it's it's often quite easy to trick yourself into thinking that, oh, I wouldn't have taken that trade anyway and just kind of move on to the pattern that did work. Um, so, you know, on this point, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see new traders make? And I know you're quite active on Twitter and obviously very engaged with a lot of other traders. What are some of the, the, the big mistakes that stand out to you uh, made by newer traders? Well, I mean, let me just say, like, I'm a little bit of a, an asshole on Twitter, I would say. Um, not with my best interest that, you know, with everybody's interest at my, at my heart. I do try to help out and I do care about everyone's success. Um, I just feel like when I see something that people are doing, you know, I kind of, I try to help out and then they keep doing it and I'm just like, all right, well, whatever. Then, then the biggest thing is I think looking at massive charts when you're trading for minimal profits, you know, if you're, if you're looking for 10 ticks, 20 ticks, and you're sitting there wondering what's going on on these monthly charts, daily charts, even 60-minute charts. You're concerned about all this news that's going on. You're killing yourself. It's, it's just not going to work for you. So what, what charts are you looking at? I know you trade a very short time frame. What are the charts that you're mostly looking at? I look at, I look at micro charts. I mean, I, I trade off a 10-second chart. Sounds fast, but I mean, if you count out 10 seconds, it's really not that fast um i look at tick charts 500 to 1000 tick charts i do look at bigger charts as far as uh, volume profile ledges and stuff like that but i keep myself in a range so like with the rotations um crude is my main trading uh platform so i i crude has got like a 25 tick rotation is like its favorite on all the research i've done on it intraday so that's what I look for. If crude is between 50 and 25, that's all I'm looking at. Until it gets out of that range, I 
I don't care. You know, why am I going to look at 52, 45, all these crazy numbers if it's not any, anywhere near there? You know, it's just, you just don't have like, you know, I get, there was a guy the other day, he, he sent me a message and he said, you know, I think crude's going to 50, but I got stopped out on 26. It was at 45. That's five points, 500 ticks that it has to go. And you got stopped out on 20 ticks. Why are you even talking about it? And I'm not trying to be an asshole. This is I'm just trying to help. So your point being that his stop was too tight for the profit target he was trying to achieve. Is that right? He's looking way beyond his means. He's way out of his, his element, you know. If he's going to trade for 500 ticks, he's got to have a, you know, at least a 500 tick stop. Because how does he know where it's going to pull back to and, you know. Yeah. Trading a market like crude you mentioned just before that you don't really look too much at the news or fundamentals or anything like that. Even with crude, do you, is that still something you don't even take into consideration? You're just purely focused on the price. Yeah, never, never. I, um, I don't really trade crude inventories. I wait, you know, 15 minutes before and after anything with news is just, you know, people want to be involved and they want to, they want to guess and they, they, they want to kind of figure it out, but it's, Maybe it's just the way I look at it, but I'm not educated enough to know what it's going to do based on any kind of news and doesn't seem like most people are either. I just think it's a waste of time. There's other more important things you could be looking at. Sure. Okay. And then outside of crude, what are the other markets that you're focusing on? I trade the ES pretty heavily during the day and then I trade gold at night. Okay. Excellent. And and so I guess I probably should have asked this much sooner, but like, when you are trading, how many hours are you actually trading for? Are you just trading through like high volume sessions or because, you know, markets, most futures markets like crude, for example, trades 23 hours a day. Like what sessions are you focusing on mostly? Crude, I'll trade mostly from like 8 to 11 in the morning. And um, I like to be out of the office by 12 o'clock. So four hours a day, I think is more than enough time to uh, to clean up or you know, finish up with what you need to do. Um, I don't believe in sitting in a chair all day. It's just your mind gets tired after a while. And uh, for me, it's about three, four hours. Mm-hmm. And then you trade gold in the evenings for another few hours? I kind of put on uh, an OCO, you know, one-to-one risk reward uh, based on some range expansions that I look for um, going into the uh, overnight session, like around, you know, four to six o'clock. I'll base that on, uh, what's going to do on the Asian open. And then I'll put on a trade and leave it. And whatever I wake up to, that's what I got. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, Ben, let's, uh, let's start to wind this down. Is there anything you'd like to add or share with everyone who's listening to this podcast right now? Or do you think we've pretty much, uh, covered everything for the time being? I mean, I'm not, I'm not a veteran trader. I'm not, I, I can't say I'm seasoned enough, but I, I, I do very well and I, I do like to help out people. And I, I think, you know, the main thing people need to work on when they first start is, is to learn how the market works from the inside out, you know, and then you could add on your specialty stuff afterwards, your fibs, your, your profile, your moving averages, your VWAPs, all that stuff. Because if you don't know who's participating at these levels, you're you're gambling you're just throwing you're guessing that's it 
you know, to sit there and say, I'm going to buy the 618 based on, because it's a 618, is a, is a crapshoot. And you just, if, if you learn market profile and order flow and, you know, resting order flow, you'll be surprised on how much better your entries will get. Right. So when you say learn the market from the inside out, just to be clear what you're actually referring to there, are you talking about order flow? Correct. I mean, uh, I know the term is used pretty lightly, but uh, it's it's basically how everything moves. So if someone's going to buy the 618, you're going to see they're going to pull it down and they're probably going to rip it a little bit below the 618, get everyone on board, pull it up 10 ticks, get everyone long, rip it back down, stop everyone out, and then it's going to go back up where everybody wanted. So it's, it's like a retail reload of the inventory because they kind of need like these stops to get pulled. And this is all stuff you could see on the order flow. But it, you know, it's it's a pretty big learning curve. But it's it's to me, it's very important. I, I I don't see how I'd be able to trade without it right now. Okay, so order flow. Obviously, you know, you're a very short term trader. For someone who might be a a swing trader or someone who let's just say they hold a position for a couple of days, how important is order flow to them? Does it have any value? Yeah, because you could look at order flow on uh, bigger time frames um, and see where the absorptions were at certain levels, the imbalances on uh, high volume nodes, low volume nodes, and you can adjust your entries based on on these things. But you have to, I think when you swing trade, and I'm not, I don't swing trade, so I'm just analyzing here that you have to, your risk management is probably going to be your most important part. Because if you're swing trading, you're looking for a big move. So you can't get in at 50 and get stopped out at 50, 25, hoping for 55. So you have, you have to be able to, to manage that. And that's going to be, you know, that's something you're going to have to learn based on price action, I think. You know, nothing's going to tell you the market's going to hold and go straight up to you where you want it to go. That's why I have a problem with long-term trading. I find that you're either a swing trader most of the guys I've met that make real money, and I'm talking, you know, big money, either swing trade, hedge fund stuff, or they're very short-term scalpers. There's very little money I've seen made in the middle. It's kind of where retail sits at and gets speed up, and I kind of think that's where retail is used for, is kind of to fill orders because they need to get these orders from somewhere, so they're just taking them from everybody that doesn't know how to trade. <laughs> so for anyone who might be interested in learning a bit more about order flow, are there any resources that just on the top of your head uh, that you could recommend? I mean, from what I've seen, is it's very limited. Uh, I have some stuff on my my uh, blog, but I, I don't have that much. I'm going to probably do a little bit more. Um, Market Delta has some beginner stuff but it's it's more about you know promoting their site and stuff like that future future x i think is another site on youtube i've seen that has uh some order flows i think it's a prop firm or something they show a lot of uh, order flow um there's a bunch of good guys on twitter stop hunter uh thomas bell uh chi girl uh all those guys are are 
into order flow and do pretty well with it. Cool. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. Really helpful. All right, Ben. Well, let's let's call this a wrap, man. It's been uh, really cool to speak with you and um, thank you very much for doing this. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Where can listeners go to, to find out more about you? I know you're on Twitter, so maybe your Twitter handle and your blog, which you mentioned. Well, I have a website that's basically just, you know, just a, a, a resting website um, that I put together. It's just blbcap.com, and it has some trading information on uh, how I trade the uh, breakouts, um, balance information on, on balance markets, and how I set up my order flow charts. Um, I'll probably be adding more stuff after the kids go back to school when I have a little bit more time and, you know, I'll just, I'll try to keep pretty busy on Twitter and help out. And, you know, I, I, I like helping out. I don't mind it at all. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's pretty much all I can do. I don't, you know, I don't want to take on anything else. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's cool. That's cool. So what is your Twitter handle? Uh, it's BLB cap capital. Okay, BLB cap, and um, you know, as you mentioned, you, you don't mind helping people out. Would you be open to answering uh, some questions if listeners have any? Maybe if they just write in the comments uh, on the Chat with Traders website below this episode. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I talk to people every day. They Skype me. They uh, they DM me on Twitter. I have you know, I have no problem helping anyone out as much as I can. I actually enjoy it. So. Sweet. So anyone listening, if you have a question that you'd like to ask Ben, go to chatwithtraders.com forward slash the episode number of this episode. I don't know what number it'll be just yet, but it'll be chatwithtraders.com forward slash episode number. Scroll to the bottom of the page and uh, you can write your questions uh, in the comments area at the bottom. I'll obviously keep a close eye on that and um, let Ben know of anything that comes through. Ben, again, thank you very much for doing this, man. I hugely appreciate it. Aaron, thank you. Appreciate it. You've reached the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but rest assured there are more episodes loaded with real market insight and zero hype on the way soon. So to stay updated with each great new release, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next time on Chat with Traders. 